been going all over our county and the area sharing the good news of what God is doing through the distribution of his word through Gideon's International. And Brother Greg, will you come this morning? We're delighted to have you. He's going to share with us 15, 20 minutes about the ministry and what God is doing. And then we're going to receive a good love offering for Gideon's International. Amen. Would you welcome Greg to the pulpit this morning? Thank you, brother. Thank you, church, for letting me come here today. I want to tell you some testimonies about lives that were changed because somebody loved, somebody prayed, somebody gave, and somebody went and gave Bibles to people. These New Testaments can be bought for a dollar and a quarter. Five dollars buys four of these. These regular Bibles, the whole Bible, is five dollars. Let me, we're supposed to tell some statistics, but I'm not going to waste your time with statistics about lives that have been changed around the world. I just say a whole bunch of lives have been changed around the world. I want to get straight to the testimonies. Let me tell you first about a guy named Jack. Jack, bin shooter, bin shooter, like a bean shooter. Jack and I would not have been friends except for the Lord changing his life and changing my life. Why? Jack liked to make withdrawals from banks. He made lots of withdrawals, but he didn't have accounts at those banks. I was a banker for many years, and Jack would, had a revolver, and he, he robbed several banks. He finally got arrested and got sent to prison. Shortly after Jack got put in prison, he was in a riot. Jack was one of the bad guys. He said that, I watched his video again this morning, he said that uh, many of the prisoners said it was somebody else that did it. It's somebody else's fault. He said, I own this. I was bad. He said, I grew up in a family that did not have love. His dad had died when he was very young. He never heard about Jesus. He never heard about God. He just lived kind of by the skin of his teeth. But he was, he was in a riot. And because of that, he had to be put in more secure surroundings. After he was there for a little while, there was an opportunity for Jack to go to a Gideon meeting. Now, he had grown up. He had been to hotels and motels. He had been to places before, and he had seen Gideon Bibles but had no idea what it was. When they said, would you like to go to a Gideon meeting? Without hesitation, he said yes. He didn't care what the meeting was. He was in a prison every day. If they said, will you cut the lawn with scissors, would you like to go? Absolutely. Would you like to roof the whole building? Yes, I'd like to get out and do that. Any reason to get out? Well, Jack went to the first, his first experience with a Gideon presentation at a maximum security prison. When he got there, after the service was over, a guy named Jimmy, I can't remember Jimmy's last name now, Jimmy Kleins, took him to the side, and he told him just the simplest scripture. You know, we don't have to have great big words and all that for the Lord to, to move and touch lives. It's a simplicity. Jesus is about love, not, not great words and great theologies. He was read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that kind of touched Jack's heart a little bit. Jimmy said, that's, that's you, Jack. Jack said, no, you got the wrong guy. He said, even my mama doesn't love me. Can you imagine facing the world, nobody loves you? Just kind of growing up by the hair of your head, from one bad crime to another, finally you get in prison. Nobody comes to see you. Nobody cares about you. You're alone in the world. You have no destiny. You have no hope. And this man just reached to him about love. 
and how he shall not perish. He said, no, you got the wrong guy. It's not me. Even my mom doesn't love me. Jimmy said, that's your name, isn't it? He said, you said John. I'm Jack. He said, no, your name is there. When it says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, you're whosoever. Well, Jack had a seed planted in him. And every couple Wednesday nights, the Gideons would come back to his prison. He couldn't wait to go. He and seven people got saved miraculously. And his life was changed. After a while, because Jack's life was changed, and he read more and more and more. And the, and the other six guys, it was seven of them who got saved, week after week, they would get together and they would talk about what they thought the Bible might mean. They would read the Bible and they'd be ready for every couple of weeks when the Gideon speakers would come back. And they would have some really mixed up theologies. If you can imagine, seven people who had no real life growing up. But then the Gideon speakers would come and talk to them and they would kind of sort things out. Well, after a while, Jack's life got a whole lot better. And because it got a whole lot better, they said, you're going to be paroled. Well, I didn't know this, but when you're paroled from a federal prison, your home state has to take you back. Jack wasn't sure where he wanted to be, but he was born in Toledo, Ohio. Now, there were some states that said, we don't want him. There's other states that said, yeah, send him here, because as soon as he gets here, we're going to put him back in our prisons. Yeah, send him here. But your home state has to take you. So he chose... Toledo, Ohio. He didn't know anybody there. He hadn't lived there in years. But in a minute, you're going to see how God really puts some things in motion and makes this story fantastic. Jack is released. Jack gave his life to the Lord. He and the other six people, there were seven of them, who gave themselves their lives to the Lord. Of those seven people in that prison, Jack is a Gideon speaker now. The other six are preaching the gospel today. Of the seven people... Because somebody gave, somebody loved, somebody prayed, and somebody went and, and, and pushed the, and, and helped to, to, uh, to give the gospel. Well, the story even gets better. I told you that Jack grew up in a loveless home just by his mother. His dad had died when he was a very young child. Well, when he, and I'm going to cry telling this part because this touches me. I went and watched the video again this morning before coming here. This is so great about how fantastic God is. When he's released, he goes to meet with his parole officer. When he meets his parole officer, the parole officer upon sight, remember his name is Jack Benshooter? His parole officer says, Don Benshooter, that's his dad. Jack said, my dad was, was Don Benshooter. The parole officer said, what a great man of God your dad was. When I was nine years old in the hospital, fighting for my life, someone, a Gideon, named Don Benshooter, came to the hospital. He prayed with me. He led me to the Lord. He was part of my life. I went to his church. Your dad was a great man of God. Jack didn't know that. His dad died when he was young. Now, I think back. Now, to when Jack's dad was alive, to the prayers he must have prayed. And I relate it to me when my grandchildren spend the night with me. In the middle of the night when I wake up, I'll put my hand on them and I'll say, Lord God, protect this precious life. Lead them, guide them, give them direction. Wrap your loving arms around them. Guide their footsteps. Give them destiny. Let them know you. Help them to love you. Help them to worship you. 
And I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit and of guidance onto my grandchildren's life. Don't you know that bon, Don Benshooter also prayed similar prayers to that on little Jack before, before Don was killed or died at a young age? I'm not sure how Don died. But Don was a Gideon who prayed. He prayed destiny. God did not forget about Jack. Jack grew up godless, loveless, adapting to a life of crime, feeling he had no love. Even his mom didn't love him, but he had been loved. And when he was loved, his dad prayed for him, prayed for his life to have a destiny. And God didn't forget. When you've got somebody in your life that you prayed for and you've prayed for and you said, I've prayed for him for weeks, I've prayed for him for months, I've prayed for him for years, don't give up. It seemed hopeless. Jack wasn't possibly ever going to be a Christian, but I believe that those prayers that his dad prayed many years ago led him to Jesus. Let me tell one more quick story. There was a guy named Ron Archer. I hope you look his video up. Ron Archer was called a trick baby. His 14-year-old mother, who was a prostitute, got pregnant. Couldn't make any money. Her pimp's name was Larry. He said, you can't make any money pregnant. You've got to kill that baby. They got clothes hangers. They stabbed the unborn baby many times. They made it be born early. They tried to kill it. They gave her alcohol poison. They gave her drug overdoses, trying to kill the baby, but the baby wouldn't die. The baby was born a couple months premature. Everything wasn't working correctly, and he had mental disabilities. He had learning problems. As he grew up, he said that his goal in life as a young child was to be invisible because if he had an opinion, he was beat. If he, if he had a thought, he was beat. If he was visible, he was beat. Because the madam in their house, who was in charge of keeping him until he got to, started to school, all she knew to do, she hated men, she hated boys, and all she knew to do is if he ever got in the way, was just beat him. He was not loved. He was not wanted. As he grew up, as he got into school, he went in the finger painting class. He stuttered so severely you really couldn't understand him. Ron Archer had no future. He got, he got bigger. He got older. But pretty much all they ever did, no lesson plans, no structure, just put them in the class with the people who finger paint. But let me tell you something that happens for fifth graders, and I did this at Drew Central a couple weeks ago. Gideons come and give New Testament Bibles to the fifth graders who want them. The Monticello School won't let us go, but Drew Central does. So if you want to pray... Pray that Monticello School let us back in. As a matter of fact, we just developed a, a letter at the last Gideon's meeting asking Monticello School to open the doors to let us get back into the fifth graders. But I went a couple weeks ago to the Drew Central fifth graders to, to ask them, anybody who would like a Bible, and we can't hand them to them. We have to put them on a, on a shelf, and we say anybody who would like them, come get them. In each class, there's two or three that won't come get them. Maybe they already have Bibles. But anyway... In this particular school where Ron Archer was in the, the class where he really had no hope, I can just imagine how the Gideons came to that school and they said, how many fifth grade classes do you have? Well, we have three. Okay, let's go to this class. And they go and they hand out the Bibles. Now let's go to this class and they hand out the Bibles. Then they go to this class and they're about ready to leave. They said, is that all the fifth graders? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you seem hesitant. What, what do you mean? Is that all the fifth graders or not? Well, you know, there's the, there's the remedial. There's the finger painting class. 
Those kids don't really matter. They can't learn. I'm sorry I even said anything. You wouldn't want to give Bibles to them. Maybe the Gideons got ready to walk away, but the Lord had things in motion because the Lord saw there was somebody who needed him. And they said, yeah, we'll go to that class, kind of as an afterthought. Yes, let us go to that class. So they gave Gideon Bibles to a little boy who stuttered, who had disabilities, who was a loser by every definition, by every meaning of the word loser. This kid had no destiny. But, some, but the Gideon said, yeah, we'll go to that class. And they gave them out. Little Ron got a Bible. Ron couldn't read. Was he fifth grade or second grade? Or was he 12th grade? Really doesn't, didn't matter because there were no lesson plans. They just finger painted. They had no destiny. Ron got that Bible. And he had a teacher who took that. When the teacher saw Gideon's come to her class, she took that as a sign from God that here is where my ministry begins. And she started pouring Jesus into their lives. She didn't read from the New Testament. She read from the whole Bible. There were no lesson plans at that school. She started teaching these children about Moses. She told little Ron, who had stuttering problems, about someone named Moses. Now, if you watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, and you see Charlton Heston, a man's man with a great voice, that's not the way it was. Moses had to have Aaron speak for him. He told about, she told about people with weaknesses, how God took them, and he turned it around into something beautiful. And Ron began to read, and he began to read more and more. He read the Bible. As he began to read that, all of a sudden, he got taken out of the finger painting class, and he finished his class, not in the top half, not in the top 20, not in the top 10. Ron Archer, now Dr. Ron Archer, finished valedictorian. Because somebody loved, somebody gave, somebody bought, and somebody went, and somebody obeyed Jesus. That's what Gideon's about. We don't want just money for Bibles. We also want prayer. Prayer opens doors. It makes opportunities happen. These are people that would have been forgotten about, but Jesus didn't forget about them. Jesus loves them. Dr. Ron Archer now travels the world evangelizing for Jesus Christ. When you go home this afternoon, the teacher in me is going to ask you to do this. Look up Dr. Ron Archer. Look at some of his videos. You're going to cry. They're beautiful. He tells some beautiful stories about how the Lord changes people's lives because someone loved, someone gave, someone obeyed Jesus, and someone prayed, and lives were changed forever. Jesus doesn't forget about us. Jesus loves us. There's a there's a song, I believe it's Ray Bolts. He talks about when you get to heaven. He, he just envisions this long line of people where people are coming and saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm the reason you're here. Imagine that when you bought a Bible, somebody's life was changed forever, and you don't even know. There's another story, and I'm not going to go into it, by a guy named Richard, Richard Taylor. He doesn't know where a Bible came from, but a Bible showed up on his bed one day, Gideon Bible. He had no Gideons to talk to, nobody to direct him, but he read that word and his life was changed forever because somebody bought that Gideon Bible. Maybe I bought that Gideon Bible years ago. If you've ever given to Gideons, maybe you're the one that bought that. Not every Gideon success story is told about. 
Not everyone has someone to mentor these people. But if the Bibles are bought, if we obey, Isaiah 55, 11 says, my, my word will not return void. His word is the Bible. If people read that, lives can be changed forever. I'm going to sing just a part of that song, Imagining, by, by, by Ray Boltz, where people come up to you. Wouldn't it be great when you get to heaven, somebody comes to you and says, thank you, because of you, I'm here. Can you imagine? Well, who are you? Well, you gave an offering. You gave a Gideon offering that day. And that Gideon, that offering gave money that went so-and-so and changed my life. And I'm just seeing a part of this. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. I'm going to give this back to our preacher. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Greg. I'm going to ask our ushers to come uh, now, and you can make your checks out to First Assembly, and we'll write one check to Gideon's International. I was sharing the other day that uh, this is like the 43rd or 44th Gideon service that we've had since I've been a preacher. We've had at least one every year, sometimes two, but uh, we're delighted for the ministry of Gideon's International. And uh, Greg didn't mention it, but if uh, there's any uh, person here in our uh, church that would be interested in joining Gideon's International or becoming a Gideon, I'm sure Brother Greg would be glad to talk to you about that. So um, we, we've had uh, many, many people in our churches serve as Gideons, and it is a blessing to be a part of that ministry. Father, thank you today for Gideons International. Thank you for the distribution of the Word of God, especially to our kids. Lord, to hotel rooms and hospitals. Lord, places where troubled people many times are looking for an answer. And they open a Gideon's Bible. And they find Jesus Christ. I thank you for the countless lives that have been changed. Just like Dr. Ron Archer. I thank you for what you've done in his life. And the many, many others that you've touched through Gideon's International. Bless the people now as they give. In Jesus' name, amen.
don't, don't leave yet. Stand with me this morning. I've been sitting in just a little while. Today is Pentecost Sunday across our fellowship. And uh, we're, we're excited about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and what He is doing through His church around the world. And today we want to celebrate the presence of God. Amen. Are you glad for the Spirit of the Lord? I tell you, a 17-year-old kid out of a, another fellowship, non-Pentecostal, and, and uh, God introduced me to the, the reality of spirit baptism, and it changed my life forever and continues to change and bless my life. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. I'm glad I'm spirit-filled. I don't wear it like a red badge of courage. I don't hold it out there for everybody to see. But I, I'm just telling you, it'll change your life. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. Come on. Help me sing this a few times. Put your hands together and act like you're not dead this morning. Come on. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. This Pentecostal blessing and I know, I know it's real. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. This Pentecostal blessing and I know, I know it's real. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. This Pentecostal blessing and I know, I know it's real. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. This Pentecostal blessing, and I know, I know it's real. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's it's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. Well, it's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. Well, it's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Come on, give Jesus praise this morning. Welcome the Holy Ghost into this room today. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, we worship you. We welcome you. We want you here. 
Hallelujah. 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 They were in an upper chamber. They were all with one accord. When the Holy Ghost descended, as was promised by our Lord. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Now and baptize everyone, and oh Lord, send the power just now. Oh Lord, send the power just now. Oh Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone. Well, give the Lord a hand clap one more time. This morning, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated if you can. Praise the Lord. Well, we hadn't sang those in a long time. Amen. Goodness, that brings back memories. Should be more than just memories. Glory to God. These are the last days, and have I not promised, saith the Lord, that I would pour out my Spirit in these last days upon all flesh, upon those who are hungry, those who are thirsty. Know this, that I, the Lord, am keeping my word, and to every hungry heart, and to every thirsting spirit, I say, come and drink of the water of life freely. I shall fill you to overflowing with my spirit and with power. That which I have promised I will do. For I am coming soon. I am preparing my church. I am preparing my bride to be white, spotless, without any kind of wrinkle. So that she might be ready and prepared for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come now, saith the Lord of hosts. And Draw near unto me with all of your heart and seek my presence and I will fill you again afresh and anew and I will continue to pour out my Spirit upon every soul that desires to know me, to walk with me in power and in might. For I am the Lord. I will not fail you. I will not forget you. I will not forsake you, for I am your God, and I have promised that I would give you my presence and my power, and even unto the end of the age, I, the Lord, will be with you. Hallelujah. Give God praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Reach out right now to the Lord and just ask God to fill you full of the Holy Ghost. Ask Him right now before we go any further in this building. In this room, Holy Spirit, come fill us now. 
Holy Spirit, you said if we'd hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'd be filled. Lord, you tell us to keep on being filled and stimulated with the Spirit. And I ask you today, Lord, to do it in every heart, in every life, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let us be a Pentecostal church full of the gifts of the Spirit, full of the presence of God, full of the signs and the wonders and the worship of Your name. We give You praise, Lord. We give You praise. Amen. 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 Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Exodus, the book of getting out. That's what Exodus means, to to leave or to exit or to get out. And the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt and moving into the promised land it tells us about their sojourn in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 33, verse 6. Everybody say, I'm, I'm reading my Bible this morning. All right. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, that the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua the son of Nun a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. Verse 14, And he said, My presence, this is the Lord talking, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known, here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight, is it not in that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, and I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Those last few verses are simply God's way, the Holy Spirit allowing us to hear a conversation between Moses and God. And it is God saying, the thing that is going to be different about the church, the thing that is going to be different about my people, is my presence is going to be with you. That is the difference between the world and the church. We have the presence of Almighty God. And it makes a difference in our lives. This morning I want to uh, preach just for a short while, and everybody said, help Him, Lord. I want to preach on the subject, people of the presence. Everybody say, people of the presence. People of the presence. The story that is before us this morning from the Scripture rehearses Israel's sin in the wilderness. 
While Moses is on the mount with God, the people make and worship a golden calf. As a result, the judgment of God comes, and 3,000 Israelites die. Moses entreats or prays to God for the people, and the Lord renews His covenant of mercy and His covenant of promise with them. During this covenant renewal, God talks face to face with Moses in the tabernacle of the congregation, and God promises to lead Israel into Canaan, and He says, I'm going to escort you there by my personal presence. I want to say something to you as a Christian. You will never get to where you need to be without the presence of the Holy Spirit helping you. You'll never make it on your own. You'll fail, you'll falter, your bones will die in the wilderness. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll let the personal presence of the Holy Spirit escort you, He will get you to your destiny. He will get you to the other side of glory. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is leading us guiding us. Uh, Jesus said that in John 14 and John 16. And then Paul goes on to tell us uh, that one day the Holy Spirit is going to bring us to glory. How are we going to get to glory? The same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead. If He dwell in you, He shall also quicken your mortal bodies uh, by the Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead. Oh, hear me this morning, friend. We need the Holy Spirit. I don't understand. A Pentecostal church uh, telling us and the people to leave our spirit baptism at home. We don't need that in the church. If we ever needed it in the church, we need it today. If we ever needed it at work, we need it at work today. If we ever needed it at home, we need it at home today. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God help us to keep on being people of the presence of God. In verse 16, Moses declares that the presence of God is what separates Israel from all other nations. They are the people of the presence. Beginning with verse 6, the Scripture rehearses uh, really a, a process that brings the presence of God. And that's what I want us to get a hold of this morning. There are four things real quick, and I can do that in, in, in 20 minutes, and then we can come to the altar. That's a prophetic word. Beginning with verse 6, there is a a, a process that is described that will bring the presence of God. And it will work. It will work because it's God's way. And it will work in your life this morning. To be a people of the presence, we have to do these things just like Israel and just like Moses did. After God's presence... Manifest in the tabernacle, Moses Moses was so blessed by that presence and the manifestation and, and, and dispensation of his presence, he was so blessed by it that Moses cried out something that nobody else that I have record of in the Scripture said. Prayed just like this, Lord, show me your glory. Do you remember it? I'm telling you what I I want you to get a hold of this morning is a passion and a zeal for the presence of God. It's one thing to come to church to listen to Pastor preach. And and, and I just want to tell you that that, that's, that's something we all ought to do. 
but but it, it's 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 something else for us to come to church to pursue the presence of God. And that really is why the, the, the body of Christ comes together. Yes, we're renewed by the Word of God, but that only happens as the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and renews us with it. You can't leave out the supernatural part of it. You can't leave out the touch of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, we might as well be the key club. We might as well be the Lions Club. We might as well be any other social organization just like the secular world has. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us, when we meet, everything we're doing is in vain. And so God help us to pray like Moses prayed to be so stirred by our encounter with the presence of God. God, show me Your glory. This is the beauty of God's presence. The overflowing of God's presence. Once we learn to stay in His presence, God continues to unveil His presence to us like layers of an onion. We just peel back more and more of the presence of God. Can you imagine those four and twenty elders and those four created beings around the throne of God that are mentioned to us in the book of Revelation? The Bible tells us that they're going around the presence of God. Those four created beings they are, they're full of eyes and, and one looks has the face of a man one the face of a calf one the face of a lion one the face of an eagle and they're going constantly around the throne of God and all they're doing is saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of glory holy, holy, holy is the Lord which was and is and is to come. That is their continual cry throughout eternity. They were doing it before you were born. They're doing it right now. They'll be doing it after your dust. It, it, it sounds like the most boring job in the world. Doesn't it? How'd you look like the girl? Some of you'd blow up because you need to say more than four words. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, let me say something else. I said say holy, holy. That's your assignment. I heard it, I heard it explained to me like this. I, it was a revelation to me. It was just, just such a powerful, impacting thing. And it has to do with the presence of God. Moses was in the tabernacle and the glory of God, the presence of God came down. And Moses said, this is so wonderful. Lord, I want to see Your glory. Show me Your glory. Show me Your glory. Have you ever just been in the presence of God to where you just wanted to keep being in the presence of God? You didn't want to leave the presence of God. It was so wonderful. It was so glorious. And something new and and fresh was blowing and moving in your spirit. And, And those four... Those four twenty elders, they fall down at the feet of Jesus, casting their crowns, giving Him glory for their attainments. And the, the, the four created beings representing all of creation, they, they go around the throne of God saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Why do they do that? Because every time they go around, they see something new about the presence of God. They see something new. See, they're full of eyes. Are you looking to the Lord? What does the Bible tell us in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. What are we supposed to be doing? Looking to Jesus. 
And I tell you, if we look to Jesus, I've been looking to Him for a long time in my, my little life. I'm telling you, every time, every time I need to, I just, I just take a gaze at Jesus. And you know what? He, he's altogether lovely. I never find any fault in Him. All I ever see is what I need. Every time I need something, He's got it. All my needs, He is supplying. He is faithful. Great is Thy faithfulness. And that's what the, the, the four created beings are doing. That's why they never grow tired. That's why they never grow weary of saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. They do it because every time they make a revolution around the throne of God, they see the glory of the Lord. They see something new about Jesus. They discover something about the eternal person of Christ. I'm telling you, God, show us your glory. Let us be people of your presence. Every time you need something, just look to Jesus. You'll see Him. I've been singing Amazing Grace for 64 years. You'd think you'd get tired of singing Amazing Grace. I've been singing songs uh, from the church, the church hymnal off the wall, uh, out of books, printed pages, out of the Bible. I'm telling you, every imaginable manifestation of, 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 of that kind of worship, I, I, I've been through it all. It's come and gone. None of it impresses me other than the fact that that when we worship the Lord like we should worship the Lord, I, I can sing out of a book. I never found out what, there was anything holy about singing out of a book. I'm reading my Bible now off of a phone. I discovered that it's the same Word of God that's printed in the book and printed on my phone. You see, it's not whether it's on pages and it's not whether it's an electronic device. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides us under the soul and the spirit. The joints and the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, I like meatloaf. I'm telling you, I always have mashed potatoes and gravy. I like it presented a certain way. I have an opinion about that. But I just want to tell you, if you make it just a little bit different than the way my wife makes it, you invite me for Sunday dinner, I'll sit down there and I'll eat it just out of your plate like I'll eat it out of my plate. It doesn't matter the presentation, it's what I'm getting. You get it? And that's the way we ought to be about the presence of God. God, I want your presence. I want your presence. I want to worship you. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Come on, get stirred this morning. Say, God, stir me for the presence of God. Let me give you the first point this morning. Contrition. Everybody say contrition is necessary. To be contrite before the Lord. The Bible says God receives two sacrifices and He will not turn them away. One is a contrite heart. A broken spirit. A contrite heart. That means walking in humility before God realizing that we are nothing without Him. Everybody say, God, without you I'm nothing. Now I just want to tell you, you just violated every principle of the secular world. And, and secular psychology tells you to talk good about yourself. 
Secular psychology says you need to build your self-esteem. I'm telling you, I learned a long time ago that the Bible is right. I am lost without God. I am undone without Him. I am nothing without Him. But with Him, I can do all things. I step up when Jesus gets into my life, when I'm dependent upon Him, when I humble myself and say, Lord, it's You that I need. It's not another infusion of the world. It's not another uh, inoculation of myself. It's not another outpouring of self-esteem. What I need is a meeting with you and because of the glory of God and the overspill of the presence of Jesus in my life, I have everything I need. We used to sing the old song, He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Why would we sing that? Because that's exactly right. The only thing we need in our lives is the presence of God. He is everything to me. And the way you get that is you start with contrition. Contrition is necessary. Notice the Bible says that when, when after, after the judgment of God came, Moses, <laughs> Moses prayed for the people. And, and God told him, he says, if you'll get out of the way, I'll just burn every slap one of them up. And I'll raise up seed to my name from these rocks. Now, I don't want you to get into the theology of that, but there is some there. God can do anything. <laughs> and we all, we all the time say, God, you've got to do it the way I want it done. <laughs> God is not a puppet on the string. Neither is the Holy Spirit a puppet on the string. <laughs> we have programmed Him right out of our church services. We have printed a bulletin and we have said we're going to stick to this and this is the way we're going to do it. And we're going to sing here and we're going to give here and we're going to pray here and we're going to do it this way. I remember the day, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be uh, just always remembering things, but I'm just saying it was a pretty good idea when we just came to the house of God and we began to worship the Lord and we said, Holy Spirit, have your way. It might, it might be good nowadays. Amen, Walls. Contrition positions us to get real with God. And I suppose there's something that God hates more than anything, and that's a fake. A facade. What is a facade? It's a fancy word for a fake wall. God doesn't want any fake walls. God doesn't want any facades in our life. He doesn't go for the glam and the glitter. He wants us to remove all the ornaments of our lives. He, want us, he wants us to divest ourselves of all the stuff of the flesh, all the stuff of the world, all of our idolatry, all of our pride. God resists the proud, keeps us at arm's length. Remember, ladies, we were talking about that the other day in, in, our, in our meeting. The Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4. And the word resist means to keep at arm's length. And that's why a lot of people can never get close to God. It's because we're proud as a peacock. We won't humble ourselves and say, God, I'm messed up. I'm tore up from the floor up. There's nothing good in me. Everything about me is wrong. Lord, I need You. I need You. I'm telling you, if some of us would humble ourselves like that and say, God, I'm not worth two cents, not a plug nickel. I'm telling you, without You, I'm nothing. God would begin to move in your life. 
They remove the ornaments in verse 6. And I tell you, the church of Jesus Christ needs to take the ornaments of flesh and pride and idolatry out of their lives. And if we do that, God would begin to move and respond to us. The Bible says He resists the proud, but notice what He does with the humble. He embraces the humble, but gives grace to the humble. Not only is contrition necessary in the, in the sense of repentance where we strip ourselves of, of excuses and, and we get real with God, but, but there is this reconciliation that takes place as a result of repentance. If we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, notice what the Bible says He will do. He will lift us up. I don't know if you understand the word reconciliation, but, but it, it's a powerful Bible word. And, and if you go to first Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you remember verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you keep reading that, the Bible tells us that because of that, God has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, where, where we appeal to men and to people, be reconciled to God. The word reconciled or reconciliation pictures a scale. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's two, you have two scales. And, and on one side you have man and his sin. And on the other side you have God and His holiness. And I'm telling you, it's, it's unbalanced because God is so holy. We're out of fellowship with God. We're not in balance with God. The word reconciled means to bring into balance. It doesn't mean to make equal because we'll never be God. Your best day, you'll never be God. But reconciled means to be equal, means to be brought into balance with God or on a level where you can fellowship with God. And so when we repent... God forgives us of our sin. Jesus moves in our life and He gets on our side of the scale and He balances the scales. Do you remember singing the old song? Some of you do. Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul Like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart What was that talking about? I'm telling you it's talking about that great wonderful thing of reconciliation. I was lost and undone without God or His Son. I was unbalanced. I couldn't receive God. I couldn't be with God. I couldn't fellowship with God. But I, could, I, I couldn't be received of the Lord. But Jesus came into my life. Jesus came into my heart. And what was out of balance all of a sudden came into balance. Because I repented of my sin and I admitted to God that I needed Him more than I needed the breath of air. And God balanced the scales through Jesus Christ. And thank God today, if we'll, if we'll be contrite before the Lord, repentance will bring reconciliation. And that will bring us into balance with God so that we can have fellowship with God and we can talk to God and have a relationship with God. And then as a result of having that relationship with God, we get restored. We have restoration. Luke chapter 15 is nothing but a chapter of, of restoration processes. You remember it has three parables or three stories. One is about a lost sheep who 
left the safety of the fold and went out into the wilderness. And the good shepherd loved him so much that he left the, the, the 90 and 9 and went out and found the lost sheep and put him on his shoulder and brought him back and let him be in the fold again. It restored him. The lost coin is about a lady who had a necklace given to her by her husband. Middle Eastern woman, off, women were oft times given that necklace. It had ten coins on it. It meant that she was a faithful and preferred and beautiful and loved wife. And, and she was honored for her integrity. And she had lost one of those coins. And she knew that if she went out into the community with that necklace and it only had nine coins on it or eight coins on it, if it had less than the ten, that meant that she had been unfaithful. That meant that she had sin in her life. That meant that she was uh, worthless, uh, that she was lost. Uh, and the Bible says she, she, she began to look on that dirt floor building with a straw everywhere and, 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 and looking for that coin that had been lost because if she found it, she could put it back on the necklace and, and her integrity be, would be restored and, and her worth as a, a good wife would be restored and her good name would be restored. And the Bible says that she searched diligently. She, she lit a candle and, 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 and swept the floor until finally she found the coin. And when she did, she said, Oh, I found the coin. And she put it back on the necklace and she called her friends and said come rejoice with me for that which was lost is now found oh the lost son had gotten away from God and his father and his will had become hardened toward the Lord and toward his father and and, and you remember the story into a hog pen after many days of partying many days of, of good times the good times came to a screeching halt and there he was left to fend for himself without any help from anybody Body. And, and in the hog pen, he, he began to try to feed himself on the stuff. The, I tell you, sin's not a very good diet. It'll leave you really hungry. And he tried to eat the hog food. And you remember, he came to himself. He came to himself. Things had gotten so bad that he had a come-to-Jesus moment. He, he woke up and he said, you know, I had it pretty good at dad's house. My servant, the, my father's servants have enough to eat. I think I'll arise and go home. And that whole chapter, chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son, talking about man's waywardness, man's worthlessness, and man's rebellious will. And the Holy Spirit works in each one of those powerful stories and brings back what was lost. I tell you, if we will humble ourselves, the thing that we left, we'll find it again. The thing that we lost, we'll discover it again. If we'll humble ourselves before the Lord as an assembly of God congregation, as a people of God, the Lord will restore unto us the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. God will give us a new fire in our soul. God will bring us to a place of kingdom blessing and kingdom uh, authority if we will humble ourselves, contrition, is necessary. Number two, closeness is God's normal. I want you to get a hold of that. Everybody say that with me. Closeness is God's normal. And what that simply means is God wants you to be intimate with Him. He wants to be close to you. He's not a God who is afar off. He is a God who is very dear. In verses 9, uh, 10, and 11 of our story, the Bible says that Moses went into the tabernacle and the cloudy pillar of God's presence 
hovered over the tabernacle and the presence of God. We don't know whether it was a theophany, uh, whether it was a, a pre-New Testament uh, appearance of Jesus there in, in the tabernacle, but the Bible says he spoke face-to-face with God. We don't know whether that was face-to-face with a person or face-to-face with the cloud, but God was communing in closeness with Moses, and that was under the old dispensation of the blood of a, of a sacrificial lamb. How much more, how much more will God allow us the blessing of closeness with Him because of the blood of His Son that avails for our sin and that is so much better than the blood of goats and bulls and heifers and turtle doves and pigeons? It has sanctified us, it has brought us into relationship with God. Somebody say, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus will allow us to be close. The blood of Jesus will allow us to be intimate. The blood of Jesus will allow us to enjoy the presence of God. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will open the door, will come into him, sup with him, and he with me. That's talking about communion. I will sup with him and he with me. I'll have the Lord's supper with him. I'll have my supper with him. I'll have my communion with him. That is God's normal. God wants his church to be in communion with him. Communication. God wants to talk to us. I don't. I don't want to downplay the ministry of a prophet. I believe in the fivefold ministry gift. Uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I believe in them. But I just want to tell you, I don't believe that you have to have a prophet for God to talk to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will talk to you. The Holy Spirit will talk to you and He will communicate with you. And as a result of our closeness with God, our communion, and our communication. We will experience the compassion of God. The Bible says He spoke to Moses as a friend face to face. Jesus said, my Father tells His friends His secrets. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about closeness, intimacy. He's talking about relationship. And oh friend, today, if you will stay in the presence of God... The day will come when God will begin to speak to you and communicate to you. And you won't have to wonder if it's God's voice. You won't have to get somebody to be a go-between, a mediator to explain what's going on. You will understand you have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And if you have one, you won't feel proud about it. You'll feel very humble about it. And you won't go around bragging about it. You'll just stay to yourself because it's you and Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Number three, commitment is needed. Commitment is needed. In our story, in in verse 11, uh, notice, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face uh, as he speaks unto a friend. And then he turned again into the camp. Moses left the tabernacle. But notice this, his servant Joshua, the guy in training, the guy that's going to take his place, the guy that is always at the feet and the side of Moses, notice, he was a young man. Everybody say, young man. Pointed our young people. A young man in the presence of God. And notice what he did. Moses left the house of God, but the young man did not depart from the tabernacle. 
Commitment is needed if we're going to have the presence of God. You've got to stay there. Verses 11 through 13, which I had all the time in the world, but I don't. Joshua was called a servant of the Lord. A servant of the Lord. God help us to get to the place where our worship flows into service. And you can't tell the difference between our worship and our work because our work is a result of our worship. And our worship comes first in our life and our relationship with God comes first and it produces our work and our service to God. And I tell you, it's a beautiful thing when we make such a spiritual commitment to Christ that our worship and love of Christ produces and flows into service. Separation. We separate ourselves from the world. We don't do what the world does. We don't talk like the world talks. We don't live. I'm not telling you that we should come out from the world and never have anything to do with sinners. Jesus sat at the table with sinners. But I'm telling you, we don't have to partake of the stuff the world partakes of. That's the difference. We want to sit at the table with sinners. We want to be an example to them. We want to show them that there's a better way to live. But we don't do it haughtily. We don't point a finger. We don't make accusations. We simply do not partake of the world and we show them that Jesus is able to give us a better life. Waiting in the presence of God. Service, separation, and satisfaction. He departed not out of the tabernacle. The early church was just like Joshua. The Bible tells us that the early church went from the day of Pentecost in, in the presence of God and from there on until we read the very last parts of the book of Acts, the church is in the presence of God. I'm telling you, friend, today it is God's desire for us to make a commitment Commitment is needed, but if we'll stay in the presence of God, our service, our separation uh, will produce a divine satisfaction. I don't know wherever, I don't know when it happened. I, I wish I could go back to the day when it happened in the, in the history of our church, uh, in the assemblies of God, when we decided that we wanted, uh, we wanted stuff more than we wanted the Savior. We wanted uh, things and buildings and lands and ministries more than we were the presence of God. I tell you, I desire today more than anything. If if I if I was in that old building on the wrong side of the track down there in South Eldorado, I'm telling you, I would be as happy and content as I could possibly be. We didn't have a lot of stuff. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of things. But we had the presence of Jesus, and all oh, I'm telling you, it made the difference. Drunks would walk into that building and they'd leave sober. We'd see people saved by because they came and they into the presence of God. Uh, They were delivered in the presence of Jesus. Uh, I'm telling you, big buildings and beautiful facilities and fine programs won't set anybody free, but the presence of God will. God, give us Your presence again. God, give us Your presence again. I'm satisfied with Jesus. We must discover that we are not whole without God's presence. And then number four, Contentment is nurtured in the presence of God. Verse 14 says that He said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. I just want to tell you today that if we stay in the presence of God, our relationship with the Lord will be so nurtured 
that we won't look anywhere else for anything else. Did you hear what I said? If we stay in the presence of God, our spirit man will be so nurtured by the presence of God that we won't look anywhere else for anything else but the presence of God. There is a control, a constancy, and a comfort that comes from being in the presence of Jesus. Moses said, listen to how he concludes his story in in verse 15. Moses says, Lord, if you don't go with us, we won't go. Lord, if you don't go with us, we won't go. Is that your heart's cry this morning? The presence of God. To be Pentecostal is not to be a part of a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. It is a supernatural relationship of embracing the Holy Ghost and asking Him to come and live inside of us. To rule and reign and lift up Jesus. To make us people of the presence. Let's pray. Father, thank You. For your word, give us a passion for your presence today. Lord, this is Pentecost Sunday. It's all about the Holy Spirit. God, don't let us be like the Laodiceans, rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and not realize that we're naked, miserable, poor, wretched, and blind. Let us be people of the presence of God laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Seeing lives that are broken by sin restored by that powerful presence of Jesus. Holy Spirit, may it be said of us like it was of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. We know these men are not learned They've not been to the best schools of our day. But one thing we know, we perceive, we understand, we know, they have been with Jesus. Let it be said of us, those folks have been with Jesus. Those folks have been with the Holy Spirit. As we come to the end of this service, how many of you as believers this morning would get up from where you're at and come stand with me around this altar and you're coming today to say to God, God, I want to be a person of the presence of God. I want to be a person of the presence of God. People of the presence. As Moses fellowship the presence of God. Lord, I want to fellowship Your presence. I don't want to just hearsay. I don't want to, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to experience the glory of God. God, show me Your glory. How many of you this morning just leave where you're at and come stand with me for a few moments and let's say, God, show me Your glory. Show me Your glory. Fill me again afresh and anew with the power of Pentecost. Lord, I want Your glory. I want Your glory. 
I want your glory. I want your glory, Lord. Are you hungry for more of God? God, I want your glory. I want your glory. God, it begins with contrition and humility and humbling ourselves. God, I ask you that you would bring us to a place where we are humbled before God and we realize that we're nothing, nothing without you. And the more we have of you, the less there is of us. God, that is the key to spiritual power. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Holy Spirit, may we make a commitment to stay in the presence of the Lord like Joshua. Even after Moses had talked to you face to face, Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. Joshua stayed in the presence. As a young man, he fell in love with the idea of being with God. Being in the presence of the Lord. God, that's what I want for all of us. This is my prayer. God, that we would have a desire and a longing and a yearning and something that we are so passionate about. We want the presence of Jesus. We want the presence of Jesus. We want it in Walmart. We want it at church. We want it at home. We want it at work. Lord, wherever we are, we want it at the dinner table. Lord, we want it in places uh, where we're under pressure. Lord, in those places of leisure. Lord, we want Your presence. We want Your presence. God, God, you can work when we're in your presence. When we're in your presence. Holy Spirit, God, move. Build this. Build this church on your presence. Build this church on your presence. God, don't let it be built on anything else but the presence of Jesus. It's your church. Lord, the assemblies of God were born in the fire of Pentecost. And Lord, we want to die in the fire of Pentecost. Lord, we want to leave this earth in the fire and the glory of the presence of God. Thank You, Lord. Don't let our fourth and fifth generations forget Your presence. Jesus. 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 Sweet Spirit, Sweep over my soul. My rest is complete while I sit at His feet. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. One more time. Sweep over my soul, sweep over my soul, sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. My rest is complete 
while I sit at his feet, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. Reach over and lay your hands on somebody today. And before we go home, pray a Pentecostal blessing on them. Ask the Holy Ghost just to touch them. Make us people of the presence, Jesus. Lord, minister to dawn today. upon her and with her. Father, I thank You right now for the blessing of Pentecost. I thank You for the Holy Spirit. I thank You for pouring out upon Your people in these last days. God, I pray that what brings us to church is the presence of God. I pray that it's not people that are here. It's not the preacher that's preaching. Lord, it's not a program. It's the presence of Jesus. Lord, let it be the presence of God that moves us into the house of God, that makes us long to sing the songs of Zion, that makes us desire to lift our hands and clap our hands and dance our dances. Lord, let it be the presence of Jesus that becomes the very motivation of everything we do for you Lord in Jesus name in Jesus name the presence of God Lord give us young people that will stay in the presence of God that won't leave when Moses leaves that will stay behind in the tabernacle waiting in the glory of God Lord it will change a generation it will change the church it will change the world to tarry in the presence of God. God, it'll help us sing better and preach better and live better, talk better and live the life that God wants us to live. The presence of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I am Thine, O Lord. I have heard Thy voice. And it told Thy love to me. And I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Thee. Come on, sing it with me and we're going home. Draw me nearer nearer blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died draw me nearer 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 blessed Lord to thy precious bleeding side Father thank you for this day Thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for the Holy Spirit that will take that Word and make it real in each of us. I pray, Lord, we will leave here hungry, longing and desirous and passionate about being people of Your presence. May we carry this with us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them you love them. Go with God.